book of Mark, chapter 1, verses 14 to 20. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Passing along, alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat, mending the nets. And, they made, and immediately he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. This is the word of the Lord. We're in part four of this series on, called Lord and King. And I, I thought we'd be moving a little faster through the Gospel of Mark, but the more I, I just chew and prayerfully meditate on this word. Um, if you've noticed, this is the same text as last week. And I, 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 I thought it'd be worth it. This, uh, this, just the one verse where Jesus says, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Seems like a simple verse, but it is actually the whole world is inside that and those words. And, um, and we in this uh, very modern and post-Christian time, we, we don't even understand these words. And so I thought it's really worth it to uh, unpack this passage. This passage, so just where we've been, Jesus, the son of God, coming in to be the Messiah. And then he goes into the wilderness. This is where we've been. And he goes into the wilderness and he deals with wild animals and the devil. That's what, we, that's what the passage we looked at two weeks ago. And here's the temptation of the devil. And he did that because why? Because the, this is the world is the wilderness. If you are the king of your own life and Jesus is not your king, and you're not in his kingdom because he's not your king, then you're in the wilderness. <laughs> your life is the wilderness. And all there are are other wild animals, people, because that's what they're like. They're not real, made in the image of God, glorious people. They're more like wild animals ready to bite you, and they're dangerous. And you and all the other wild animals are just listening to the devil and we are lost in the wilderness without his kingdom. And that's where he is. And then he comes out of the wilderness. And then he says this incredible thing. He proclaims the gospel of God. That is the good news from God. That the time is fulfilled. And the kingdom of God is at hand. And then he has this command. Repent and believe in the gospel. That's what we're going to talk about today. And then right, right afterwards, what happens is, then he starts calling people, and then some guys start to actually follow him. You understand what's happening? They're following a king. A new kingdom is actually starting. These disciples, they're just following after a new king. And he's saying to you and to me, that this proclamation is the same as ever. Will you repent and follow a king? <laughs> Believe in the gospel. Now, today what we're going to do is, as I thought more about this, you know, if you've been a Christian for any time, you know you're supposed to be a disciple. <laughs> disciple is um, just a follower, one who follows. And, um, but a lot of times, I, one of the things I've been, I've been a pastor for a long time, 
And we don't even know what this word repent means. That's what I think. <laughs> and it's actually hugely important. And it's, it's, a, it's sort of the warp and woof of all of the Christian life. And that's what I want to talk about today because I, I don't think even Christians get this thing called repentance. And um, it's, it's actually right at the core of what it means to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus. And so let's, let's get into that today. Repentance on the king, that's the name of the title, in three parts. Part one, the nature of repentance. Part one, the nature of repentance. You're like, I know what it is. You probably don't, okay? And I'll unpack that today, all right? Part two, discipleship and lifelong repentance. Did you know you're supposed to be repenting for over the course of your life? Right? Discipleship and lifelong repentance. And part three, we'll close and talk about the grace of obeying a king. The grace of obeying a king. I know that most of us, obedience is like, oh, that's one of those words I don't like. <laughs> Submission, oh, that's even worse, okay? Um, but there's grace in it, incredible grace. Um, so let's go, part one. Jesus says, repent and believe in the gospel. Um, what, does, what is repentance? Um, the, the Greek word for this is metanoia. And meta is um, change. And noia is a word for, of the mind. It is a turning, a changing, literally a turn, a change of the way you see, of your mind. Now, most people, I, you know, I've been, a, like I said, I've been a pastor a long time, and most people have, I think, a false conception of what it means to repent, repentance. Um, most people think repentance is something like this. First, you recognize something is sin. You're like, okay, this thing that's happening in my life, that's, that's bad. <laughs> that's wrong. That's sin. And then maybe you feel bad about it. You're like, oh, that's, okay, that's, that's bad. Okay, like I got angry at my kid, said really mean things. Sin, oh, it's bad, okay. Or some of you, if you're like me, I get angry at my kid. I know it's sin, but I, I don't feel bad. <laughs> like they deserved it. So, oh, darn it, that's not good. Okay, but like, that's kind of more like me, okay. But that's the first part. You... Um, you recognize that it's sin, and maybe you feel, maybe you feel bad about it. <laughs> um, and then you think that's, that's kind of where repentance is at. And then the second step is stop it. <laughs> second step is fix it. So most people think repentance is a two-step deal. See it as sin, maybe feel bad about it, and then you fix it. That's not repentance. <laughs> First of all, just recognize something as sin and then feeling bad about it. Some people just stop there. That's repentance. Then I ask Jesus, well, please forgive me, forgive me. And then you just go back out and do the same thing all over again. You haven't repented at all. <laughs> all you've done is you've had what's, what's uh, the old word for it is penitence. You feel bad about something that said that's the word. I mean, you can see it's a similar word, but it's not the same at all. It's penitence. That's only the first part of it. Most people know that. Now, you know that's not real unless there's some kind of change to it. So then we got to go, we got to fix it. Stop. Okay, okay I'm going to like not yell at my kid in anger. All you parents, are you good at that? <laughs> You're really good at fixing that one, aren't you? Right? I'm so good at that. Not. <laughs> you know why that's not real repentance? Because if this if it really worked this way, 
then you don't actually have to repent and believe in the gospel. By the way, that's, that's not two steps. It's actually one thing. It sounds like there's a distinction that you can describe this is the repentance and this is believing in the gospel, but it's really just one and the same thing. Um, you, you know, if it was just, if this was actually this two-step deal, figure out this is sin, stop, fix it. If that's what it was, and then everybody, then, 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 you know, then I guess we can all repent, but it doesn't work. Actually, if this was the way it was, you wouldn't need the gospel at all. You would just need a lot of like good, strong willpower, and then it'll work, right? But it doesn't. And if you if it does, if you actually could do it that way, you don't actually end up in the place of the kingdom where you're filled with grace and you're filled with like increasing holiness. What you do is like, okay, like I tithe, they don't. Okay, like I, I used to not tithe, but now I do. Ha! They don't. <laughs> I fixed it. I knew it wasn't right, and now I fixed it. What does it lead you? It leads you into the place of being a Pharisee. Like you fixed it by works righteousness, legalism. Real repentance is three steps. First, yeah, you recognize it's wrong. Maybe you feel bad about it, (laughs) okay? Two, you turn to Christ, you, in other words, you look to the cross. And you begin to believe that the gospel has something more for you than something that's happening inside this sin. <laughs> that Jesus has really actually forgiven you. <laughs> and then he has something, a gift of his kingdom, of his grace, that can fill you in a new way. And then... You don't fix it. What you do is, inside, when you encounter Christ and you turn to him, he may call you to some piece of obedience. And then in that obedience, that's, it's actually, it isn't just, all right, he's the king and I've got to do whatever that he wants to do. No, 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 no. It's actually, he's helping you to believe and receive what he's given. So, like, let's just say, so just to give you, like, uh, you know, like a simple example. You know, if, if repentance was easy, then you could just just do it. It'd be like, we think sin, discrete, bad thing. Stop doing it. Boom, I fixed it, right? Come on. The real sins that we deal with, you, you can't fix. You can't even, you're not even close to fixing, if you're, if you're honest. So just to give you a, a, a simple example, a common example, come into our city and you hear you'll hear me like weave these points in it's like um you know you 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 may have some kind of um thing in your life that has a problem with money okay so i so just use tithing or like maybe some of you guys cut corners on your taxes <laughs> or maybe um maybe you're not generous you're very stingy you're not generous and so if i give a sermon on not generous Cut, you know, you know, if you cut corn your tag, you're stealing. <laughs> That's stealing from the government. I mean, that money is rightfully the government's. There's nothing wrong about that. It's rightfully the government's, okay? From God. <laughs> That's what God says, all right? And then, or, you know, or like you don't tithe. You know what that is? Like, it's like that means you're not trusting in what the Lord is asking you to give to him, okay? So then you don't, okay, it's bad. Okay, let's just fix it. Now I'll just do it. 
But in the whole time you're like writing your taxes like, ugh. <laughs> Is that anything good happened? You just, but actually now let's do it there. You go to, to the gospel. And you're like, Lord, I actually am fearful of money. And so I need to, and then in the gospel, he says to you, I'm your real security. I have riches for you a lot bigger than money. Will you trust me as the deepest thing, bigger than, you know, a nice two-bedroom, one-bathroom townhouse that costs (laughs) $800,000? You know, like in in this city, it's just a normal thing. Got to buy that house, and then I can't have a good life. But in this house, it's like the dinkiest little place costs like pushing a million dollars. And so then you're like, okay, okay, got to get it. I got to get the thing. But the whole time, really, there's a sin that you think that if I don't have this enough money in a house, then I don't have a good life. But that's not even true. So then money has control. So then if you go back to the gospel, which we regularly don't believe, like you go, okay, you come out of Sunday, like I believe it, but then you walk outside, it's like, all right, money, like, like this whole city is like the... The, the devil and the wilderness and all the other wild animals telling you that the money is the thing that will only like, get you through the wilderness. So then you got to go to the second portion. Believe the gospel. And specifically, the gospel is applied to the question of money. And then you do the third portion. You meet somebody and they, they need your help. And you're like, I need to save that so like, for that down payment. <laughs> Or, well, I don't know if I want to tithe. <laughs> but you're like, you know, Lord, I'm going to take the step and believe in the gospel. <laughs> and it's pushing you, and it gently pulls you under his kingship. That's the kingdom. That's repentance. <laughs> now, repentance, um, some people think of repentance as like a... A, a chore. <laughs> you hear the word repent. Oh, it's like, it's right up there with, you know, eat the broccoli <laughs> and do the exercise. <laughs> right? It's like, oh, this thing, oh, pastor's talking about repentance. Oh, here we go. Okay? Um, you know, like, I, I use broccoli, so, you know, normally I would say, eat your carrots, but I actually like carrots, maybe some, but I hate, I hate broccoli. Okay, we like I just you know like I refuse to eat broccoli. If my wife says eat the broccoli, I'm like Are you serious? No way, it's not happening. All the kids can eat it, but not me. Okay, <laughs> but like um, you know like some of you guys exercise. I hope you work out and exercise. Otherwise, you know it's bad for your body. I hate exercise. <laughs> okay, so like and so like running, hate running. <laughs> Walking takes too long. <laughs> But you gotta have some cardio. So what do I do? You know what I do? I jump rope. I actually, you know, I I I skip rope. I don't even want. It's it's because I'm lazy. <laughs> I skip rope. Hundred times, you get your heart moving. You don't pound your knees, and it's faster than walking. <laughs> okay, but it's like ugh, a chore. I'm supposed to do it every day, but it like, happens like three or four times a week, okay? But that's not repentance. 
You think repentance is like that. You put it in that same category. I'm trying to convince you repentance isn't like that. Because if you know the truth of it, you're in the wilderness. And you, if you're in control of your life, you're not the king. You're now, you're the king, and Jesus isn't the king, and you're the king. And so now you're in the wilderness. And now, you know what? As long as you're the king, you're locking yourself into the prison. You know what repentance is? It's like the key out. The door opens up. It's the pathway into liberation. It's the pathway into genuine following, discipleship, where Jesus is king and his kingdom and his, the benefits and riches of his kingdom flow into your life. That's repentance. The key to liberation. Not eating the broccoli, okay? <laughs> Part two, um, discipleship. And lifelong repentance. You know, um, if we're dealing with sin, I, I wish so you could just go look at the discrete fix, you know, things of like the wrongdoing and then just fix it. I just wish that you could do that. That would be so much easier, wouldn't it? Um, Martin Luther has this uh, phrase, and um, he said this, life is repentance. <laughs> That's the way he put it. All of life is repentance. Most of us go, okay, there's this little part of my life over here, or actually maybe a big part of my life over here, it's bad. <laughs> I'll fix it. And so, you know, like today was the Sunday that we, you know, we confess our sins, and we're, so it's good to be talking about this. And that's probably maybe what you're thinking about. Like, okay, some of you guys are like, okay, I'm greedy, I'm angry at my kids, I hate my kid, I hate my kid, okay? <laughs> Lord, help me stop hating my kid. <laughs> all right, okay, I don't hate my kid, but I hate doing all the things I have to do for my kid. Diaper, 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 I hate it. <laughs> So then, hence I hate my kid, okay? <laughs> okay, so maybe that's what you're thinking about today when you were, when you, were um, you know, doing that confession. I don't know. <laughs> but um, but I, I wish it was like that, but it's not. Repentance is not just this one thing that you do and you're like, okay, I've graduated from it, now let's get on to the other stuff. No, it's, it's not like that. If you actually really think about it, um, there are sins that we have no idea how to control. And we've got to fight them for all our whole life. They keep coming back. They keep coming back. It's like you kill it, it's back. You kill it, it's back. It's like Jason in the Friday of the 13th movie. It's like he keeps coming back. Right? Your, your, your depression, your anger, your suspicion, your judgmentalism, your lust, your greed, your fears, all the time. It's like, it's like he just keeps coming back. All of life is repentance. This is why discipleship isn't like some extra add-on to Christianity. <laughs> you got to have a king to release you and take you into a new kingdom. Um, let me offer you something else. I, I learned this from, you know, like all, all the preachers. We, we, uh, we always like to steal from somebody else. <laughs> Tim Keller. I'll give you something Tim Keller said. By the way... Um, that Martin Luther thing, all of life is repentance, I learned that from Tim Keller. So he stole that from Martin Luther. <laughs> but I'll, tell, I'll give you something else that I got from Tim Keller. He says, he says, what we all need to learn to do is repent of the sin underneath the sin. Hmm. What's he talking about? There are sins, if, you know, usually we look at the, the, the discrete thing that we say, okay, okay, I cheat on my taxes. Okay, okay, that's, that's a sin, okay? But actually, do you understand that you love money 
more than you love Jesus. You trust money more than you trust in his love and his security. That's, that's why you're cheating on your taxes. That's the sin underneath the sin. You could stop cheating on your taxes. That's a relatively easy fix. Okay? But that you love money and trust money more than Jesus? Any of you any good at doing that one? I'm a professional Christian. And I still go love Jesus on Sunday. And on Monday, on Monday when I'm paying the bills, I'm like, oh, I need more money. I need more money. It's like, and I'm thinking, oh, yeah, wait a second. Then I go do what? Turn to the gospel. And then pay the bills and looking at the small amount of money and go, Jesus, you're my, you're my treasure. <laughs> See? That's the sin underneath the sin. And that sin, that one takes a lifetime to repent. Let's just give you one example. How we trust money, that one's a beast. And that's why it takes discipleship. And so when he tells you things like tithing, Tithing, oh my gosh, 10% of my income. Are you crazy? Are you crazy? Who wants to do that? Only that, that's like extra, that's like extra credit Christianity. I will do C minus Christianity. Let the pastor and the elders, they can do A Christianity. I will do C minus Christianity. I'm going to only give 3% to the Lord. Next year, I'll bump it up to 4% and I'll go from C minus to C. And they can do A. They can be in the A category. But if you look at it like that's wrong. You know, part, you know what part of tithing is? It's part of a king who loves you that his grace for you is bigger than the money. So then he says, give me a big chunk of the money so you can learn. <laughs> I'm your king. And I'll always take care of you. So it's a grace. <laughs> but if you don't believe in the gospel, how can you have real repentance? Repent. Believe in the gospel. <laughs> I'll give you one more example, um, big one, big common one, um, especially for men. Um, you know, there's this, uh, we get just a little problem in our country called porn. <laughs> and it's not even just porn, it's like lust is used all the time. <laughs> You're watching a movie, has nothing to do with sex, but somehow there's got to be a nude scene in it. You're watching a commercial. <laughs> It's supposed to be about beer, but then how come it's drenched in sex? It's really it's absurd, but that's, that's our society. That's the wilderness. See it? That's the wild animals. The devil using the wild animals called beer commercials and beer sellers to make you fall down in the wilderness. That's how our culture works. But, you know, maybe a number... Of, of you, there are, some, there are even women today, I don't, I don't know who in this room may have problems with lust or temptation toward lust. And um, um, a lot of guys do. In a room this size, I don't, absolutely 100% likelihood, right? <laughs> that, you know, 99.999% likelihood, maybe we're the one super special room of church this size where nobody, no man has a porn issue. But I doubt it. <laughs> so let's speak grace and repentance. Um, not 
It's bad. I feel bad about myself. I'll stop. Does that work? <laughs> no is absolutely right. It absolutely does not work. It's because it's not real repentance. You know, I, I, you know I, I've wrestled with this. I still fight this temptation all the time. Um, but it doesn't owe me nearly the same way as it used to. And many years ago, um, I, I was listening to this Christian radio program called Family Life Today. The host is a guy named Dennis Rainey. And it's an awesome show. If you guys want like some different content in the middle of the week, Family Life Today, they have every episode free podcast. You should just like cherry pick. You're like, oh, this one's good. Just talk about that. You're like, I hate my kids, parenting. <laughs> They'll do four weeks on parenting, all right? Just pick that one, right? And just go through it. And they have these awesome guests. And you know what they always do? They just basically talk about repentance. It's like, it's basically a show on repentance. And they, they, um, for, they were talking about porn. I, just, I don't even know if they were talking about porn, but somehow the subject came up. So, of course, I'm driving, and I'm like, okay, I'm really interested now. And Dennis Rainey, the host, he did something really smart. He brought his wife to discuss that subject. And Barbara Rainey, God bless that woman, right? She said something which tremendously helped me, right? So she said something like this. She said, why, why, why don't so many men, why do they stumble with porn? Because... They go out into the world, and they feel like they have to like conquer the world, and then they feel fearful and lonely. And so what's the message in pornography? She says, of course, literally, the, the woman does, you know, the, the girl, the naked girl, she doesn't, like, doesn't literally say this, but she says this is what you know, the, the girl in pornography is saying to all those men. She's saying, you're welcome. I welcome you into my body. You're so great. And all these men that are out there, they're lonely, and they're insecure, and they're fearful. And they're turning to this comfort to say, you still have worth, and you can come to me. And when Barbara Rainey said that, I just was like, oh my goodness, that's what's going on. That is what's going on. That's what's going on inside of me. And um, I realized at that moment, if you just go, this is bad, stop it, you're just doing legalism and it's never going to work. <laughs> but if you go, this is bad, and there's somewhere in this is a sin underneath the sin. You're not believing in some gift of grace <laughs> from the king. Now, we're moving toward real repentance. And so she said this thing. She said, you know, the real thing is that our real deep, your, your real manhood comes from the Lord. <laughs> and you're never alone. He's with you. And Barbara Rainey turned to, his, to the ladies and she says, wives, girlfriends, this is a, you know, girlfriends, you're not supposed to be sleeping with your boyfriends. But you should understand this is what's going on with the men that's out there. So wives, this is understand your men. And so then what would be the third part, the, the obedience? The obedience is first to say, okay, you know, so what you do is like, I need help. Maybe you need some, some like software or you need to tell your brothers, I need your help to walk through this. And then 
You know what you need to do? You need to tell your wife, I need you. Be vulnerable to your wife. You know that thing that we, sex that maybe sometimes is a little a bit of a chore for you? I need you. That would be the whole repentance. And it will give you a new power and freedom. So the sin underneath the sin and repentance, it's a powerful thing. And we got to do it following a king all the time. That's what discipleship is. What's the fundamental activity of discipleship? Repentance. What is, the, what is repentance? Leaving the wilderness of our life where the devil is like destroying us and owns us into the great liberation of his kingdom. Let me close um, by talking to you about obedience and submission as grace. You know, most of us, <laughs> why is um, obedience like eating broccoli? <laughs> discipleship. Oh, only the serious Christians do discipleship. I will just show up at church. I will even show up late at church. <laughs> I'll show up late at church, just get the part that I, get, that I get out of it. I don't like doing the singing part. Just the announcements, whatever. Just show up at church and hopefully Pastor Susan won't be boring this Sunday. Get something out of it and I'll go home, right? Come on. Discipleship, that's for like the people who want to actually get an A. I'll stay down here in the C minus range, right? No. Discipleship. Obedience. The Savior is a king. You know, you can't just like only have him as Savior, but not have him as king. Him being your king is being your Savior. You understand? And the problem so much is that the gospel is this. Most, almost all, you know, like, I hope all of you know at least the gospel is that you're a sinner and that Jesus paid for your sin by his blood and you're forgiven. At least you know that part. Right? And that if you believe that, you're not accepted by grace. I hope at least you know that part. But the other part that you, we regularly don't, because we underestimate is that after you're forgiven, he gives you gifts. There's riches and gifts from the king and in his kingdom. There's incredible gifts of grace. And what we do is we regularly only know how to look for the gifts of the world, the gifts that we think are important in the world. We look at those, and those loom very big and large. Sex looms large. Money looms large. Comfort, security looms large. So uh, we're so, but, but we underestimate that the gifts of the kingdom are bigger. And we don't believe it. That what he wants to do in your life and offer you is so much more. That's what we don't, that's what we, this lack of belief, that's actually one of the biggest sin underneath the sin that we have to repent of. Now, and, um, you know, all these pastors, we like to crib off each other. I'm going to go to um, C.S. Lewis. I'm going to close with something that Lewis said. It's, 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 it's awesome. He cribs off somebody else. <laughs> C.S. Lewis cites somebody else. It's George MacDonald. This is actually a picture, an illustration he got from George MacDonald, which I got from C.S. Lewis. 
And as a young man, this really helped change my life. And maybe it'll help change yours and help you long for and desire all of life as repentance, everyday repentance. And do all three steps, not just do the, the two-step the two Phariseeism, but you'll actually do repent and believe in the gospel and receive the kingdom. So here's how he puts it, right? You guys all know that trying to fight through, um, you know, repentance of sins underneath, it's hard. It's tough. So here's how he puts it. That is why we must not be surprised if we are in for a rough time. It's hard. When a man turns to Christ and seems to be getting on pretty well, in the sense that some of his bad habits now seem to be corrected, he often feels that it would now be natural if things went really smoothly. When troubles come along, illnesses, money troubles, new kinds of temptations, he's disappointed. (laughs) These things he feels might have been necessary to rouse him and make him repent in his bad old days, but why now? I mean, when I was bad and stuck on porn, like, like, the, like but I'm doing pretty good. Why do you have to like, let these like, new difficulties come into my life, Jesus? Isn't that, do you ever, do you ever have to think about that? Come on. If you're honest, you've all said that in one way or another, right? Um, why? Because God is forcing him on, or actually up, to a higher level. Putting him into situations where he will have to be very much braver, or more patient, or more loving than he ever dreamed of being before. It all seems all so unnecessary. Isn't that exactly like, you know, it's so, be more brave, be more loving. It's so unnecessary. Why can't we just be here? But that is because we have not yet had the slightest notion of the tremendous thing he means to make of us. I find I must borrow yet another parable from George MacDonald. Here's the, here's the illustration now, okay? Imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. So you get your, your house. At first, perhaps you can understand what he is doing. He is getting the drains right and stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. You knew that these jobs needed doing, and so you are not surprised. You're like, this is, I'm a house. The drains are really bad here. The sewage is backing up. We get leaks in the, and when it rains. Jesus, come on in. Please fix them. Thank you. Jesus, come in and fix them. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably and does not seem to make sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he is building quite a different house from the one you thought of. He is throwing up a new wing here. He is putting up an extra floor there. He's tearing down the walls, and he's going to build great towers. You thought you were going to be made into a decent little cottage. But actually, he's building a palace. 
He intends to come and live in it himself. You guys understand what a palace is? It's the house of a king. It's the place of a kingdom. Your mind, your heart, your life, it's not just a little house. I just want to be a little two-bedroom, one-bathroom, little townhouse. Jesus, you can sit in the back, there in the back, and the sewage is backing up. Thanks for fixing it. You can be my ever-present plumber. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Is that what you want in your life? Many of us, that's what we want in our life. That's what we expect. But what we actually need is a king. Not our little lackey plumber sitting in the back. And he's just saying, this house, I'm coming to live in it because I'm the king. I'm going to tear down the walls. That part's going to hurt. And then we're going to build a fantastic courtyard. <laughs> and there's going to be so much more courage there. So much more forgiveness there. So much more generosity there. I'm going to fill it with generosity and joy than you ever knew that you could ever have. That's the kingdom. Hmm. And all of our life is repentance, giving up to our king, all our smallness, so he can turn us into a palace, make our life. The kingdom isn't just out there. It starts in here. Our very life becomes a kingdom. Okay. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we forgive us. We know your gospel so poorly. We believe your gospel so faintly. But we thank you that you forgive us and you call us to repentance again and again. And you do not grow weary to call us again and pull us again. An ever so patient king, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. We thank you that this is the way you are with us. And we thank you, Lord, that you love us so much, there's no way you'll let us be in the slums of our own little wilderness. We're trying to make our wilderness a comfortable little place. You intend to bring nothing except the greatness of your palace into our life, of your kingdom. So may we repent of the sin underneath the sin, of wanting you and only cherry-picking little things from you. May we repent and believe the gospel and bow down to you as king and learn to obey you and receive your grace all the time in our life. In Jesus' name, amen.